when do you know the right time to open up about what it is that you're going through, let alone the right person to do that with? This is episode 216 with Tyler Carter on when to ask for help as a positive person. You're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and I'm grateful for you being here with us today. Tyler is a three-time Paralympian who has always lit up the rooms with his energy throughout his lifetime that he's found himself in. So when he was faced with retirement after the most recent 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics, he found himself looking up from this valley of trying to navigate how to move on from who he's always been, and he didn't even know who to turn to or where to turn to for help. Tyler and I talk about how to navigate through these tough conversations, getting okay with asking for help, and how to feel out who you can truly trust with how you're feeling, especially when you feel that opening up about a struggle you might be going through truly is against your typical positive nature. It's a good one for sure, so let's dive into it. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. Tyler, my man, welcome to Forever Athlete Radio. How are you first and foremost today? Corey, I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I got to go uh, skiing yesterday, which we were just talking about earlier, and uh, I'm I'm on cloud nine. It was just such an awesome day and good to you know, get up into the mountains, get outside, and uh, just have a little fun. I mean, I think it's really important. A hundred percent. I was about to say, it's that happy place, right? Let's Let's start there because when we talked last week, I, I had asked, I was like, do you still ski at all? I know I shared my experience with swimming. It's kind of like this weird relationship, hot and cold. Right now we're on a cold streak. I'm not in, into it. Uh, what's it been like for you coming from the highest of levels in the sport to now being able to just go out and rip a run or two for fun? Yeah, it, it's a whole new world. Um, it's great to not have any pressure, no stress. If I don't want to go ski, I don't have to. Um, I haven't been able to go as much as I would have liked um, this season so far, but I'm making that effort to change. And it's it's been an adjustment. I mean, not you know racing, not competing anymore. It's a huge change, but to go out and to just play around and you know do whatever I want, like it it's unfamiliar territory, and I love it. I mean, it's it's just amazing. Yeah, I'd love for you to share kind of your story, your origin story, so to speak, of <laughs> getting into skiing. Because uh, as we found, both from the East Coast and you know where we're where we're from, the the DC, Maryland, Pennsylvania area, it's not really known for crazy mountains and the ski scene. So how is what was that journey like for you, even finding this sport? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, grew up in Pennsylvania. I live in Colorado now, um, so definitely found where the good snow is, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it all started, I guess, with, uh, when I was born, I was born without my fibula. So it was in my right leg. And if you don't know your anatomy, it's your lower leg, uh, the backbone connected to the tibia and you kind of need it to walk. So uh, I was born without it. And when I was one, I had my foot amputated. So my whole life I've grown up as an amputee with a disability and my big attitude and my parents really enforced this as well was to not let 
anything get in my way. So whatever I wanted to do, I'd go out, do it, make it happen. And I just happened to find skiing as something that my parents wanted me to try to get into, have a little fun with. Um, honestly, I always joke, they wanted me out of the house for a week because it was a stay away from home camp. So I was uh, eight at the time and I think they just needed a break for me. Uh, but jokes on them because I fell in love with it. It was the coolest thing ever. And from my first time at learning how to ski uh, in Camelback in the Poconos, I was hooked. I knew it was what I wanted to do, whether, you know, I knew at that time I was going to take it to a competitive level. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I knew that, but I it that's where it all started. And, you know, from there, I kept going to this camp and I got recruited to Colorado to join my club team, uh, the National Sports Center for the Disabled, uh, which is based out of Winter Park. And I mean, the rest is history. I started getting more into racing, starting to go faster. And then, you know, long story short, made a couple of Paralympics and, uh, you know, got to travel the world with that. <laughs> yeah. What do you remember a specific run or a specific, maybe even just uh competition where that dream became a reality, or maybe it was even became a dream that Paralympics was something that you were capable of, of going and going on to achieve. Totally. Um, so I always joke my very first race, I was, uh, you know, eight at the time I was at this learn to ski camp and I got second place. I had the fastest time, but I didn't go around any of the gates. I just went straight down the hill. So they were like, you know what? You had the fastest time, but you, you kind of missed some gates. So we'll give you a second place in that. Uh, so maybe that was my like indicator that it was going to become a thing. Uh, but from there, I mean, I always say that um, I got into racing, like really into racing when I was 12, 13 and started traveling a bit more, like going around North America, hitting all the, the races on that circuit. And then when I was 16, so a few years later, I've been racing for a little bit. I had an opportunity to go to Vancouver and watch the Paralympics. Uh, so that was 2010. And that's sitting there in opening ceremonies, seeing all the different events, seeing Team USA walk in. I was like, okay, like, this is really cool. I think maybe I can do this. And if not, we're, we're still going to try. We're going to give it our best and hopefully it all works out. And it, it luckily did, but either way, you know, it was such a cool journey to go there and to see athletes competing at the highest level. I, I just knew that whether I made it or not, I wanted to do my best to be one of those athletes. hundred percent. What was it like? Cause I mean, to make a games, is obviously a feat in itself that it takes a lot, as you know, to do that three times to sustain that level of success and performance over 12 years. Talk to me about the perseverance of just through the ups and downs of that. And I, I don't even know if people listening in, unless they're familiar with Olympic sport to the extent uh, that you are really understand and wrap ahead their head around it, where like everything has to go right every four years, essentially, for you to get that spot to then even go on and compete. What was that like? And how did you maintain a mindset that allowed you to qualify for that many and compete at that such a high level? That's so true, Corey. Like, oh my gosh, it just, just being able to go to one games is, you know, an accomplishment. It's amazing. And to be able to go to three, I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty lucky and grateful that I've, I've had this opportunity but it is, it's your job. It is a full-time job to train, to go to an Olympics or Paralympics. I mean, you're, 
you know, you're not only doing the the strength work, you know, going in the gym and making sure you're getting faster, getting, you know, stronger, all of that good stuff, but you have to have proper nutrition. You have to make sure you're getting the right amount of sleep. You have the mental side of training, which is a whole nother like set of things that a lot of people don't even think about, but is sometimes even more important than the physical component. So all of these, you need to do these for at least four years, day in, day out, full time, and then hope that everything lines up, that you make the team that you peak at the right point. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's an insane to look back at my career and while it wasn't perfect, I mean, to be able to do it this long, um, especially with some injuries towards the end of it. I mean, it, it's like, it, you know, I can't, I can't ask for anything better. Like it, you know, yeah. Results could have been better at times, but I, I had a dream. I had a goal and I set out to do it. And for the most part, I was able to accomplish it. And that's what I would say, like, whatever your dream or goal is that you want to do in life. I mean, the sky's the limit. Like you, you can accomplish crazy things, but you have to stick with it and persevere. Like there, are, I'd say when I'm looking back at my career, my games, 2014 was a shock making that one. Cause I wasn't on our national team at that point. So I, I walked on to the Paralympic mm. team. Uh, so that was like, I was just over the moon, just happy to be going. Like it, it was amazing four years after going, you know, visiting and watching the games in Vancouver, getting to go sweet, cool thing ever. Four years later, I was on the team. I had much more training, more experience, and I wanted to be competitive. Like I really wanted to be in that hunt, you know, for a medal or top 10 finish. And that was like a, a big letdown of the games because I didn't accomplish that athletically. I didn't live up to my standards. I crashed in my best event. My grandmother passed away while I was there. Like it was just a polar opposite of the party. Well, maybe not party in Sochi, but the mm -hmm. fun experience to the like flip side of, oh, like this is just not, nothing's going right. And then in 2022, just this past winter, that was like the redemption arc. That was coming off of injuries, coming off of losing team status, losing funding, losing sponsors, having nothing go right for years to just grinding through, not giving up, just keep persevering, persevering, persevering with this one dream and goal in mind to get to go and finish my career on my own terms and, you know, walk away with a big smile on my face. I mean, that, yeah, it would have been nice to have a medal around my neck, but I'd say uh, it was pretty darn close to a perfect ending. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, we would all like that, right? And I think that's... <laughs> one of the hardest things. I mean, that was what got me caught up in kind of my transition for the longest time was the last race was literally like the worst of my performances in the, the four year stretch of college swimming for me. And I was like, really? Like the last one though, like that's how we are remembered. Right. Um, I'd be curious too, as you kind of brought up the, the different elements behind each of those games, how, almost this happy-go-lucky, I'm just happy to be here in uh, back in 2014 to now there's all these expectations on me. Like I got to perform. I got to win a medal in 2018 to again, sort of, I don't, wouldn't say happy to be there again in 2022, but okay, cool. Like we made that, we persevered through these things. All of that to say, in your opinion of just peak performance do you believe that it kind of exists somewhere in between having expectations and a high standard for yourself, but not so much so that you're like dead set on it has to look this way or like it just isn't going to happen? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you, you need to have that high standard, right? That's what drives, I mean, all, almost all athletes, at least in my experience, but anyone, like if you're trying to succeed in something, whether it's business, school, athletics, you have to have high standards. You have to, you know, hold yourself accountable and be striving for something. You have to have those lofty goals. I mean, that's what wakes, you know, gets mm -hmm. us up in the morning. Like that's what I wake up to. Uh, but you can't hold yourself to such a high standard or, or like have that expectation to a level that, you know, that's your only focus and it clouds everything else that you're just worried about that result. And I had a period where I, I was like that. I was solely focused on the time, the result. I mean, it's a time-based sport, right? Like I, top to bottom, whoever gets down fastest around all the gates wins. Like it's, it's that simple. I mean, it, it, there's so many in other theory, factors. In theory, right? it's that simple. <laughs> it, it, it seems that way. Uh, but it, it's all, it's all about time. And I was so fixated on the time that I wasn't in the moment. I wasn't being present. I was, you know, I was at the top already thinking, okay, like I need to get X amount of time to be within certain person so that I can get this ranking. So then I can go to this event. And that actually detracted from my, not only my experiences, but my performances. I wasn't, I wasn't able to perform to the level that I knew I could because I was so fixated on that. And when I took a step back and kind of looked around, I was like, okay, like, look, the results will be what they are, but let's focus on what we can control and let's be here in the present. Let's be in the moment. And I started doing like a meditation before my run. I would, you know, have this morning practice and routine that helped ground myself. And I cracked jokes in the start until it was like time for me to really get set just so that I was staying loose and ready. And once I started doing that, not only did I have a lot more fun, enjoy the experience more, but my performances actually went up. Like I started performing again, and that's what helped me qualify for my last games. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, to long story short, you have to have that balance between the two, you know, hold yourself accountable, but don't be so fixated on those results or the end goal. Don't, for don't forget to enjoy the moment. Yeah, I think it's possible to hold yourself to that high standard, but also not be attached to a certain outcome, especially... In time-based sports, we know it very well, right? Like oh, at the gosh, end of the yeah. day, you could you could go personal best. I think this was the most frustrating part of swimming for me, and it sounds like uh, of skiing for you as well. If you could do a personal best, but you have no influence and control over the people around you, and and they could be on that day, and that might just be the difference between gold and eighth at that you know at that level. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, yeah, you get it. Like with swimming, it's, you know, you're, you guys are racing at the same time, which is a little different from us, but same yeah. thing, time-based sport, like you can't control, you know, who then lay next to you, what they're doing, but you can control what, what you were doing. Um, so yeah, I just, I think it's something that people forget. They get so fixated. Um, but sometimes taking that step back really, it, it helps. In earlier points in your career, did you find yourself like I remember, I'm not sure exactly the setup that you guys have, but in swimming, we would have the ready room. And so we would like occasionally peek out to see how teammates were doing or, or what the fastest time was posted so far. So you had a general idea of like, oh, okay, I could, I can still do this. And it would like boost your confidence or you'd see it and be like, holy crap, I can't believe so-and-so at that time. Um, did you find yourself ever doing that? Like peeking at the scoreboard and seeing kind of and mentally in your head be like okay like my best time in this run is x it stocks up here and what was that like I, for you yeah i i personally hated watching my competition like i would watch people in different categories because i knew i wasn't competing against them but if mm. it was the standing men as soon as they started going 
I, I would look the other way. I didn't want to know how they did because I, I really wanted to focus on myself, but yes, there were times I did. Um, for us, we're usually either at the top, either in a lodge or at the top of the race course waiting to go. If it's a high enough level event, they'll have a TV that you can watch the racers go and see the times. But for, for the most part, you don't, you don't know what their times are. You can see maybe the first four turns that they do. Mm -hmm. So you might watch and be like, oh, wow, they, they really nailed that. Or, ooh, they were a little off the line. Like there's some room for, you know, improvement there. And I remember one event, um, it was actually one of my best races and helped me qualify for 2018. Kind of once I like reset myself, I was like, okay, like, come on, like, like snap out of it. Stop worrying about the results. Uh, but I, it, it was like not a qualifier event, but it was a qualifier event basically. Like it helped get us to that point. And I'm looking down the course and it was a not a challenging hill, but it, everyone was struggling on this one turn. And that's all the radio reports were saying. That's what everyone was saying. Like no one could was carving it properly. No one was like lined up. Right. And I just knew my mind was like, well, I can make a turn. Like, like we all can make turns, but I just have to worry about making this one turn. If I do this one turn that everyone's messing up, then, then I'm golden. So that was just my focus. That run was okay. Like I know it's like six turns down and I just have to nail this. I have to be on it. And I was just in my mind the whole time, like just nail this turn, nail this turn. So I come through, I get to that point. And as smooth as butter, like just right through it, set me up for the bottom. I ended up getting second, which whatever, like wasn't first, but, but I'll take it. I think it was, you know, I was off by like, I don't know, five hundredths or something. So it was a very tight race, but I was like, that's it. I did it like, boom. And, and the coaches said afterwards, there were two athletes that nailed that turn. It was myself and um, the person that actually got first. So like right there, you know, just looking at that and taking that step back, knowing where you're at and what you need to do and then executing. I mean, it sounds easy in principle, but if you kind of work through it, through that process and step and stay in the present and tune out everyone else, it, it tends to work out. Yeah. How did you navigate knowing that it was like six turns ahead, not making a mistake in the first six turns because you're <laughs> hyper fixated on that? Because I think so many people of us do that where we'll, we'll set a goal, we'll set something, um, we'll forecast out whatever it may be. And we say, okay, I foresee this being a challenge. And then we put all our mental energy on kind of problem solving that challenge, even though it's six things ahead and that they then slip up and make a mistake earlier on. What do you think allowed you to navigate the earlier on and also like nail that turn? Yeah. I mean, great great question like that that happens all the time with when you're setting goals is again that fixation on it uh for me it was really focusing on being in the present so one um just taking it turn by turn i knew that sixth turn was the one i needed to nail but mm. i had to get to that point first so make it around the first turn okay that's one second turn boom and keep counting till i nailed that sixth one and then again, it, I didn't stop focusing. Like I didn't, you know, just like, okay, I'm home free. I still had like 70% yeah. of a race course to do. Uh, but I knew that was the the trouble spot. I knew that was the one that was getting everyone. And if I could make it past there, it was all relying on that, that foundation that I've built over the years. So when you're in that, you know, you have that goal that you're working towards. If I mean, if it's not in like a, in the moment athletic setting, 
I find having your long-term and short-term goals are super helpful because the short-term goals will help you build to that long-term, but not keep you kind of just fixated on that without the progress or the progression to that. But if you're in the moment, it's just staying in the moment, but taking it step by step, like just knowing that, okay, you know, I, I need to have this proposal ready to go at the end of the week, but we have, you know, four days before that. And this is how I'm going to get to that point. I'm going to take it day by day, step by step, you know, bits of that proposal until I, until I'm there. And then it mm-hmm. should all fall into place. Yeah. I, I like to, the visual that I always have in my head is like the GPS. It's like the longer that, that you're trying to go, obviously the further um, you'll be in the car, but you want to check on that GPS. You don't need to check it every second, especially if you're on the highway, you kind of maybe even turn <laughs> it off. Cause you're like, Oh, this is annoying. I'm just going on the same stretch for the next two hours, three hours, but eventually you'll turn it back on. Cause you know, you got to check, you get some feedback of where you're at and then make adjustments necessary. Otherwise you just keep your head down and hyper fixated on the wrong things. You pick your head up and you're like, how did I get here? What's <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. In in terms of that, I'd be curious of how did you navigate life outside of skiing while you were in it in a way that allowed you to I, I would say transition out. I mean, we can talk about the transition itself for you as well, but what was that like while you were still in it trying to build a sense of self outside of just being an athlete and everything else there that you were doing? Oh man, I, I have to say like as hard as the transition out of sport was when I was in sport, trying to have an outside life was, it felt nearly impossible at times. Mm. And I mean, I'm, I'm, as I'm going around saying like, yeah, this is how you do it. I'm guilty of, there were many times I just had my head down to, to the grindstone and was just go, go, go sport, 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 and kind of forgetting about, you know, that social connection outside of it. Uh, but of course, like you, you do figure it out and you, you find out ways that you can get through the season, get through the quarter, your career. And for me, um, I found a really good group of friends that I could connect with. And um, some of them understood, you know, athletics, they were athletes themselves, but others were just, you know, either in my work life or personal life. And they didn't understand everything I was going through. But when I was over there with them, like it, you know, sport, we didn't worry about that. Like it was mm. off the table. Um, you know, if there was something I needed to talk about, we could, but it was usually like, let's watch a movie or, you know, let's go get some ice cream. Cause that's like my favorite thing in the world. Um, but you know, like play some video games just to get your mind away from that. And I mean, that was super important cause you can't be on all the time. And I learned that the hard way, like that you, you really do have to have that time off and that separation, um, away from w- whatever it is, you know, for me it was sport, but it could be work. It could be, you know, school, whatever you're going through in life, like you have to find those things that, you know, allow you to be you, allow you to get outside of your head. Um, I also really got into journaling towards, well, I started it early in my career, then kind of stopped for Mm. a bit when I probably could have really used it. And then I finally got back to it when I was like, okay, like we got to like reset ourselves. And I found that to be a good way just to get my thoughts on a page, get them out of my mind, but also that's like the, as you said, the internal like GPS tracker, like I can do mm. kind of track that and be like, oh, hey, okay, that's where we're going to progress on stuff. Um, and I just thought that was, you know, super helpful for me. Doesn't work for everyone, but for me, it just happened to be the trick um, to get me through the day. 
isn't it funny that those tools like a journaling some of the most helpful tools and some of the things that we've done that we know like this actually matters and makes a huge difference in our lives when we need it the most when we're in that like whether we're battling battling with depression um, anxiety or these other extremes where you're like I should really really journal right now or I should really turn to that thing like I should get a workout in because I know if I just sit here I'm just going to continue to feel like eh but it's like the furthest thing from what our brain goes to like yeah you should really do that (laughs) (laughs) it's so true and I, I like how you how you worded it that way how you said I should do this because mm. that was something I caught myself doing a lot. And at working with uh, sports psych and really kind of getting onto that mental side of, um, you know, my wellness, because I, I kind of went off a cliff after I retired and, and like really struggled with that. It was that mindset of, oh, man, I really should do this. I should, you know, go to the gym or I, I should go get groceries. And I had to stop myself and be like, okay, what? what purpose is this serving? Like, what is the point of this? Okay. Yes. I need to get groceries so I don't starve to death. Like, so I have food to eat. So from that perspective, I'm going to get groceries because that is something my body needs is nourishment, but it's not like, should I do it or not? It's a necessity going to the gym. Well, it makes me happy. It moves my body. So when you reframe it that way, it's a whole different way of thinking. And I catch myself even like today, I was like, okay, I, I should, uh, you know, go and shower this morning. It's a day off, but you know, I, I, I need to shower and freshen up. I'm like, why am I saying should like, what, what's this should thing? Like I, Mm -hmm. I need to shower. So I'm clean. So I'm ready to go. And so I'm energized and fresh so that we can talk. Um, and it's just reframing that thinking has been game changing for me. And I I hear it in daily life, just people saying that I'm like, wait, like just, twist that around, just reword that slightly. And it's going to make a big difference. I was about to say, do you try to, do you feel like you should just not be saying should in your life at this <laughs> point? Like, do you just dump that word out of there? I, I, I would like to Corey, I would really like to, but I, uh, sometimes it, it just comes out and then I, I catch myself and I'm like, okay, reset. Good. We're, we're good. But you know, no one's perfect and I, I am far from it. It's a work in progress and each day is an opportunity to make better changes in your life, to, you know, make a positive approach towards your future, whatever that is. And this is just one of the ways that I, I try to hit mine. Yeah, no, I I love it. I think that's such a a good point. One of my favorite quotes is uh, by the Japanese author, Haruki Murakami, and I'm going to totally butcher it, but it's basically like each day is a fresh page. And it's up to us, the writer, what we get to do with it. It could be whatever story we want to tell ourselves and put out into the world, but we have the pencil, we have the pen in our hands. We get to do what we want with this fresh page. And I, I would also say too, with the should element, to me, I hear that word and I hear it almost as like, it's leaving the back door open. Like it's leaving an opportunity because it's not like you have to do it. But it's that weird middle ground of like, oh, I have to work out today versus I really should work out today. It leaves that shred of doubt where it's like, oh, well, I could talk. If I any part of you wanted to talk yourself out of doing that, it's going to win. It's going to do it. Oh, totally. I've done that before. And that's that's how I kind of got on this path 
um yeah i, I love that the back door that that's a good a good way to look at it <laughs> i'd be curious what what allowed you to kind of shut that that exit out that exit strategy out for you on the transition piece because you had mentioned that that was a challenge period that you said specifically that first few months out um do you think part of that was coming off of the games and being like, okay, people are talking about you in the media to, all right, um, now what do I do? <laughs> what was, what was that process like for you? What was the headspace as you were going through all of that? Oh my gosh. We, we could probably spend hours talking about that, but we'll I'm here for we'll, it. We'll, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, but we'll, we'll dial it down a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, I had Beijing, I came back. Um, so this was March towards the end of March. I went back to see my family for a week, which was like the first time I saw them in a really long time. So got that nice reset, you know, it was all like, yay, good job, happy career, all that good stuff. Uh, came back, I went um, right into work. Uh, I work in Colorado Springs at the US Olympic and Paralympic Museum, super cool place, um, a lot of great content, but like right back into work, which was a little crazy because I, I was still starting to process retirement. Then we had nationals, which was technically my last race, but I, I wasn't really trying. I was more of just going out and playing and like dressed up in a costume for it. And then we hit like what I call the post games tour of like we had a reunion in D.C., media appearances, like awards, speaking engagements. And it was just like kind of going back to back, balancing that and work. So I didn't really take time to process things. I didn't really slow down at all. And then we hit summer, like June, July time. And that's where, as I've dubbed it, I hit the chaos valley. That's mm -hmm. where I like took the dive. Things really set in. I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm done. This is it. Like I'm, I'm not competing anymore. I, you know, this is 12 plus years of my life that are over and what's next. And I, I was dealing with some lingering injuries from the season. So my body was mad at me. Kind of everything was just falling apart. Um, like I felt isolated from people that I like was super connected with before. And I just felt like I was in my own little Island. No one understood me. No one really cared to ask. And it took until, um, someone I was working with a PT who was like helping me through, um, some of these injuries to like, basically pull me aside one day and say, Hey, like you haven't really seemed like yourself lately. Are you okay? Like, like is there anything going on? And I was like, no, I'm like, actually not okay but thank you for asking because no, no one really had mm. um and in fairness i was trying to hide it like i'm the positive happy guy like i'm the guy that you know walks into the room and wants to make someone smile wants to bring joy to everyone and i don't want that attention on me so when i was going through this i was doing my absolute best to hide everything so that no one could see how much i was struggling underneath and I mean, I wouldn't say it got to a point where, you know, like it got like severe depression wise, but I was depressed. I was grieving. I was, I mean, I was going through this process and I was doing it alone. And I, you know, looking back and if I'm giving a message to anyone out there going through something like just open up, let people in, like uh, just go to someone, anyone that you can talk to and just share a little bit that they can help you through this. Because once I started doing that, once I started working with a psych once i opened the door just to a couple people it was game changing and it didn't happen overnight it still mm. required tremendous effort you know journaling that that mind shift you know the instead of oh, man i should go to the gym even though i 
I can't really do anything. I just have these lame PT exercises that no one wants to do, but I need to do them so I can get back to, you know, what I want to do. But just having that, you know, that mental fortitude, I guess, and knowing that there are some days you're not going to be a hundred percent. In fact, many days you probably won't be a hundred percent, but if you're at 50% on any given day and you give a hundred percent of that 50%, I think that makes sense. This is kind of like my new, like my new motto, but if you give a hundred percent of whatever percentage you're at, then you're doing the best you can in that day. And that's all anyone can ask to do. Uh, so anyway, long story short, like it was, it was brutal. And I just, I, it was a massive adjustment that I, I didn't really see coming. I mean, like I, I knew I was retiring a year, like that, before that season even started, like it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't like a spur of the moment. I knew it was coming. I had a job. I had like a great community here and I still struggled. And mm. so like you could have everything right and still really have that struggle process. And it just, it, it takes time and it, it takes self-compassion, which I'm, I'm, I've been terrible at. Honestly, it's one of the hardest things is to be compassionate to myself. And that's a constant daily reminder to, to show myself that, um, Anyway, I just like kind of went on a whole thing, but curious if you, you know, had any shared experiences or similarities to that. Cause I know, you know, when you retired, you went through some stuff too. Yeah. Well, first off, man, I, I appreciate you sharing and, and the depth at which you shared as well. It's, it's not easy. I think there's that element still that athletes are, we're, we're trying to figure out in a lot of ways of, you know, we've talked about it earlier, this element of perseverance through your story of powering through the things that you had to over the course of your career to have the career that you had and being able to differentiate that between this and opening up. And I think it starts with understanding that vulnerability can still exist in the same space as perseverance. Um, and in fact, what, you know, what you just shared is that truth of, you know, sometimes the, these burdens aren't meant to be carried fully alone. And in fact, they get a little bit lighter and actually more manageable when you do bring in the right people. It definitely has to be the right people because I think what's totally. what's really challenging when you're going through that and you open up to someone about it randomly, they'll be like, I don't get it, dude. Like the games were six months ago. Get over it. Move on. Um, and you know, that's that's kind of how I felt for, for a while, similar to you. Um, I was good at swimming, but not, I wasn't, um, like Olympic good. Like I wasn't on the national team or anything like that. So I knew coming towards the end of my four years of college that it was gonna, that was going to be it. I knew conferences was probably going to be my last meet. Wasn't going to make NC2, NC2As. Um, and I was in a weird headspace, honestly, going into that moment in the first place, it was kind of a mix of for a while I was placing blame on everything else, but I'm being really honest, like I was just feeling burnt out and ready to be done with the thing by by the time it got to those last few months. And even still with that headspace, I was like, how could I tell myself going into this meet, I just want it to be done and then sit and be really upset with my performance after that race. <laughs> Obviously, I still cared and it mattered. I was just trying to play it cool. I like to equate it as like if you're playing your brother or a sibling or a family member in video games and they, they're younger than you and they beat you and like, <laughs> whatever, dude, I wasn't trying. It's fine. It's fine. 
it's like, that's what you're doing to protect your ego. And I felt like that's what I was doing for a while with swimming. And I've told this on here where I've, I've shifted as soon as swimming ended, I went full on other end of the spectrum of like all the boundaries that I had in my life to like control my personality and what I really enjoyed doing, um, were, were lifted like that. And I found myself drinking five, six times a week. I found myself going out, uh, making stupid decisions, um, on a much more consistent basis rather than just once a week, it now became an abundance of them. And it just wasn't fulfilling. I, I was finding that I was really missing that outlet after nearly a year of it, of just, I was missing the, the state of mind and the state of being that I found myself in when I was performing and competing. And I tried to seek it back out by like getting back into competing again, going into, I tried master swimming for a hot second. Um, that did not work out for me. I was like a weird, <laughs> I was a weird in between of talent, right? Like I could go to compete in masters, but I would win everything. I was like, this just isn't fun. Like, no, what, what is this? So that's why I've shifted to some other, other opportunities for me to still feel athletic and express that part of me, but also really diversify and differentiate who I am outside of just that. I'd be curious for you, like in that process, like what have you found now, maybe that you didn't know, even know about yourself because you were so head down focused. And to some degree, I think you have to be to get to the, that like pinnacle, that top of the sport. In a lot of ways you need to be head down focused what have you found and learned about yourself though on the, the flip side of it now that you have a little bit more time to explore that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you definitely have to be head down. I mean, it, it's, it, I don't know how you do it when you're not, I'm going to answer that. But I, when you were just talking, three things came to mind. Um, it was the talking to the right person. Mm. I, I just wanted to reiterate that. I think that's so key because you, you don't want to like throw everything on just anyone. You want to make sure it's the right person, but also, you, you know, just make sure you're not like throwing everything on them. I mean, cause that was my biggest struggle. It's like, Oh gosh, I don't want anyone to feel burdened by me. And mm. then as soon as I found that person, that was huge. So that the love of the sport or whatever you're doing, cause for me, the last few years, I totally like, I, I lost that love of skiing and I'm just finding it again, you know, going out and playing in the powder, going through trees instead of, going around gates in a race course. So I think that's key as well. But three, which kind of ties into that question you just asked was the fulfillment. What brings you fulfillment in your life? And for me, when I went through this period, I didn't know what was fulfilling for me. I was trying to figure that out. I didn't have a love of a sport. I, I didn't really have someone at first that I could go to. And you, without those three, I feel like that's a, you know, a recipe for trouble. So you know, when you were talking, I was like, oh yeah, like those three, they really, they kind of all go together. And it's, you know, when you have them lined up, I feel like that's where you can, you know, really start to excel and succeed in, in whatever you're doing. You can do it without those, but it, it makes it a little easier. Mm. Now, now to your question, uh, for me, like, as I mentioned earlier, I, I like bringing positivity to people. I like helping others succeed in their goals, whatever they want to do, um, whether it's athletically, whether it's, you know, health wise. Now I'm kind of playing around a little bit in the mental health space, just because it's like really important to me as I've just gone through it. So kind of figuring out how I can help others in that, but just making a positive difference every day or a positive impact. That's 
what I'm all about. And I do quite a bit of speaking on that. Um, I am lucky to work with some amazing organizations where I get to go into schools, where I get to like mentor youth athletes and just give back. Cause that, that's what I'm about. I, I've been really lucky to follow my dreams and do what I love for longer than, than most are able to. And I feel it's, you know, my, my responsibility to return that favor. Not everyone feels that way, but that's, mm-hmm. that's how I am. And that's what I'm all about. Um, and I'm still figuring out what, what I want to do, what, you know, what are the other things that can bring that fulfillment, that excitement to my life outside of what I'm already doing. I'm not, I'm not a person to sit around and just sit on my butt all day and twiddle my thumbs. Like I, I want to be out. I want to be in the community. I want to be engaging with others, you know, speaking, um, making connections, meeting people. I mean, that's, that's where excitement is found and great ideas can come from that. Some of my best friends are ones that I don't speak with on a, on a regular basis, but I met them at different events at different engagements. And they're ones that I can call up. And it's like, we were just talking yesterday, but it might've been like a year. Um, so still figuring that out, what that excitement is, but whatever it is, it it involves going out and helping others find their passions and dreams. Mm, I love that. Uh, Yeah. I think there's, I want to almost add an asterisk to the fulfillment discussion because I think there's this sense of responsibility and basically the, the judgment, external judgment of like how successful you are at the transition is basically measured by how fast you find that fulfillment in that next thing. And this, this word purpose gets thrown a lot in that discussion as well. Uh, it's almost like uh, I'd be, I remember going to getting ready, gearing up for college and going through that college recruiting process and everyone, anyone that I met and talked to, even I've never talked to them uh, or meeting them for the first time or whatever. The question was always, Oh, well, what school are you going to? And the moment you answered you like figured out that question. It was like, well, so what are you going to major in? What's, what's that? And then towards the end, it's, so where are you going to get a job? What's, what kind of job are you going to do? And it's the same thing of almost like when sport ends, it's like, okay, so now what, like, now what are you going to do when to your point earlier, to almost circle back. It's like, it's a grieving process. You don't go through a really tough breakup. And the first thing that people ask you, so who's the next person you're going to date? It's like, no, no, they, they know to give you space to say, okay, Hey, that sucks that you just went through that. Here are options. You want to go to the bar? You want to go like, just talk about it. Like what, what are we doing? Let's, let's have some time to, to air it out of sorts, knowing kind of what you've gone through now, what would you have changed or what have you have done differently? If you just rewind the clock about a year or so ago, in a little bit of anticipation now, like, would you go right into the job right after? And like, how do you, and if no, like, how do you think athletes handle that? Because there's one, that external pressure. Then there's also the, the reality of, Hey, we need some sort of income. It's Olympic sports. It's not like you were making millions and millions of dollars uh, <laughs> and have that just sitting in, in your bank account being like, all right, cool. I can, go on a sabbatical for three years, process this loss, and then figure out what my next steps are after that. How would you approach it now? Yeah, um, that's a question I've actually been kind of playing with myself, just journaling and, and just thinking the the what ifs and, and, you know, helping process through that. Um, 
yeah, one, I ended my career with a lot of debt, uh, which I happily have paid down a, a good chunk of it. But yeah, we, we go. <laughs> yeah, we, we, you don't make a lot of money in the Olympics and Paralympics, but especially the Paralympic world, like unless like there's a very, very few said athletes that have done well. And I'm, I have the utmost excitement for them, but I am not one of those. So um, I very much needed that, that money coming back in and those paychecks. Uh, so that was kind of the, the toss up. I, going back, I would have probably taken a little extra time off. I felt like I couldn't, I felt like I had to go right back in. I have an amazing team. I work with some amazing coworkers and, and the like museum is just such a, a great place that um, I, I think they would have understood. And I honestly, I just should have been, been like, Hey, I like I'm back, but I, I just need a week. Like I just need a little mm-hmm. time to process. I, I just need a little grace instead. I came charging back in business as normal and it didn't really work out in my favor. I hit it well, but it, it, it ended up leading to significant burnout and took even like, I'd say just to the holidays, like to Christmas time where I was able to kind of hit that reset button and finally feel like I'm like, okay, like we're, we're sort of back to this new normal, whatever it is. And I, I don't feel over overloaded or, you know, sleep deprived or any of that. I feel like I'm kind of myself again that I would have taken that, that extra week. And honestly, I, I really, I, I really looking back, wish I would have been more upfront and open with some of the people that I really care about in my life. I, I hit it from them. I didn't even, you know, tell them. And I wish I, I would have been a little more like, Hey, like I'm, I'm really going through a hard time right now. Um, I, I'm not saying I need anything from you, but I just want to let you know, like I'm, I'm struggling right now. Mm-hmm. And I eventually did but it took, it took longer than I, I would have liked. And, and I could have said should have right there. It took longer, could have taken longer than, than it should have, but it, it honestly, it just took longer than I would have liked. And looking back, that would have been the change. Otherwise, I mean, I look, whenever you're transitioning through something in life, whether it's sports, whether it's a new job coming out of college, there's going to be an adjustment period. I mean, that's just part of it. And sometimes, you know, you can kind of balance that a lot easier than others but the longer you're involved with something um at least from what i've seen and talking with others the longer it is to kind of make that adjustment and that change so there would have been a, a challenge either way i just could have handled it a little better and looking back you know hindsight's you know great but yeah. uh, we we made it through and it was a learning experience and now i can speak on that now i can hopefully help others and say, Hey, there are resources out there. There are people you can go to and, or just reach out to me. Like I've been through it. Like I, I'll, you know, I can't tell you how to go through the process, but I can at least be here and understand to a degree what you're going through. And um, that's my hope that, you know, if anyone else has a struggle like that, they don't wait like I did. Mm. Yeah. I was about to say what, what words or what message do you think you needed to hear in that moment? that would have opened you up to even exploring the possibility of, of sharing? Well, I, I think it really was, uh, I mean, the changing moment for me was when someone said, Hey, are you okay? And that's when mm-hmm. I realized I was like, Oh shoot, I'm, I'm not. It's like that you haven't been yourself. And that was my opening experience. So I think if it, it would have been nice if anyone before that had said, Hey, like you, you, you know, you just seem slightly off. Are you good? Give it open open that space. I mean, created that space. And I, I think that's a big part of all of this, right? Is mm-hmm. one creating space for someone else 
to share whatever they need to not not just like that they want to complain about something that doesn't really matter but if they have something they really need to get off their chest giving them that space but then also creating that for yourself and I was really good at doing that for others giving them a space or at least I I like to think I was yeah. or am but I'm not good at doing it for myself so balance between you know wishing someone would have reached out but honestly just creating that space and instead of Anytime someone kind of does the daily, hey, good morning, how's it going? How's your day? Instead of being like, yeah, we're good. Been like, oh, I, you know, I'm I'm struggling a bit. Um, now might not be the time to talk about it, but if you actually if you genuinely want to, ask me again in like two hours and and we can chat about it. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's that's a key there. I I love that piece that you just threw in there. That extra element to that response of because I think there is that subconscious battle that we're kind of going through of well if I if I just blurt this out they're going to feel really weird and I'm going to feel like I burdened them with something (laughs) so like I'm just better off just saying I'm fine or like I'm good like thanks for asking whatever Um, but if something is truly on your mind that asking for permission and then creating that container where it's like hey we could actually we can dive deeper. Like if you're free around four today, like would love to go grab a coffee and, and talk about it. And now you mutually have agreed upon like, okay, Tyler's got some, some real stuff that he wants to talk about. Like, we're going to go <laughs> do that. Um, I want to kind of so wrap things here by highlighting like what you're doing now in the community, obviously still have the job, but you're getting into the speaking space and, a little bit of mentorship here and there and all of this. How's that been so far for you? Like what's been the, the most rewarding, most fulfilling elements of that? And what's been the biggest challenges of that that you faced? Yeah, I, I'd start, I'll start with the challenges. Um, I, I personally don't have enough time to like, just go out and, and, you know, try to get as many speaking things as I can. And I don't have an agent or anyone that like handles that. It's all just me. So my bi- biggest challenge is just getting my message out there, getting like others to buy into it or or share my story. Cause I, I don't have as much time as I'd like in the day to just go cold emailing or calling people, but I, going to the like excitement and um, hopefully it, you know, kind of comes across in my voice and tone, but it just, it brightens my day when I know I get to go talk to a school or work with an athlete, um, I started this new thing on Instagram where I'm doing a wisdom Wednesday, where it's just a little like blurb of what a life experience I picked up or what's on my mind. Some of it's fun. Some of it's a little more serious, but just something to get that message out there and being more consistent on that. Um, Like I I'm going to speak at a school this Friday, I think um, later this week with one of the organizations I work with and I'm super jazzed to go. I think we're going to be talking about perseverance and goal setting. So just being able to, share my message, but hopefully help someone else. Cause really at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's nice to have some attention on you, but it's not about me. It's about that message and helping others. And, um, obviously like I want to financially be able to do what I want and be stable. And I, you know, it'd be nice if, you know, I could get speaking things on a regular basis and, you know, get that top dollar. But at the end of the day, if I'm positively, positively, um, impacting someone's life or making that difference, then, then that's a win for me. I, you know, I, I could be renting for the rest of my life, you know, a house and like, you know, not the, you know, a studio apartment, whatever it is. But if someone's life was 
impacted in a good way, then that's a win for me. That that's what it's all about. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. And, um, you know, if anyone wants to listen to me blabber on about anything, you know, call me up, email me, because I'd love to come talk with you or connect um, or find a way that, you know, we can go out and make that message broader. A hundred percent. And I feel that the the challenge of sitting here, sending emails and trying to find the right person to send the email to in the first place is the biggest part of the struggle, I think, of trying to get those gigs. So <laughs> I see you, I recognize it. Um, and anyway, I think you're, you're going to persevere through it for sure. And all it takes is just one. And that starts to snowball and grow from there. I want to ask you the fast five. They're going to be fun, like one sentence, one word oh answers, little rapid fire before we end. Um, first one is what's your go-to podcast that you're listening to? Uh, I just got onto this one lately. I, I've been on a big podcast kick and it's called The One You Feed. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's with, I believe his name is Eric Zimmer, but it's basically the idea is there's two wolves in you, the good wolf and the bad wolf. And it's all mm-hmm. about the one, which one you feed. So uh, that that's been my, my jam lately. I like it. I'll have to come go check it out. Number two, what's your favorite book that you've read in the past year? I love Brene Brown. So Darren greatly was, was one I read um, how that starts with the man in the arena quote by uh, I believe it's Teddy Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing like that that was game changing for me this year let's say number three we should be a layup after that what's a quote you live by <laughs> <laughs> i'd say the man in the arena i try to quote it but it's it's way too long it's a really so long one it. but it, it, it's so good it's just about showing up and being in the arena being yourself and just whether win or lose like just hanging in there and persevering so i if you don't know that quote check it out please <laughs> i love it very fitting for for the stories that you've told today too so i, I love when people actually live out the things that they're quoting number four what's something that you can't live without i'm gonna be a little fun with this one and that's ice cream um you know i i could say family i could say friends but really i'm obsessed with ice cream i love it um for anyone that cares chocolate anything with chocolate is my favorite but that that fuels my soul so um i always joke that skiing mass is fast so there there we go man i love it Uh, you know after this if you want to come on over i got two uh, gallons of chocolate ice cream in the freezer because that's my guilty pleasure as well. We'll we'll indulge in Done. some. <laughs> Be a good time. Uh, number five, last one. If you could sum up your focus right now, just one word. What's that word? It's discovery and discovery for myself, but also discovery for others and what they um, what excites them. I love that, Tyler. Man, this has been great. I just want to say I, I appreciate you. I appreciate the, the positivity as well as the realness that you bring in the same breath uh, to the spaces that you find yourself in. So keep doing that. Where can people find more of that and just connect with you on a real level, whether that be social media, website or, or whatever? Yeah. And thank you, Corey, for having me on. I mean, this has been a blast. I, you know, I DM'd you on, on Instagram a while back and glad that you know, you responded because you're, you know, I listened to a few of your episodes and they're awesome. So it's been an absolute pleasure being on here with you. Um, but Instagram is my favorite. I probably spend a little more time than I'd like, but it's something I'm working on limiting that screen time. Um, but TC Ski USA, 
a lot of cool content on there. Um, I'm also trying to get on the TikTok game. I still don't really understand how it works. Um, but Captain One Leg is on there. And then my website is TC Ski USA. Uh, you can reach out to any of those for media stuff or if you liked anything I said or if you disagree, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I love it. I love it. We'll have those all linked. Um, Tyler, thank you again. And for whoever's listening, remember, share this with someone that you care about, a friend, family member, a teammate, because together we go far. And until next week, flow on, my friends. Mm-hmm.